0: Welcome to the weekly podcast from Spring of Life Church, located in the heart of downtown Portland. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. For more information, visit us at springoflifepdx.com. Easter is a day about miracles. Amen? If you have your copy of Scripture, I would like to invite you to join us in the book of 1 Peter Chapter 1. If you don't have a copy of God's Word then we have a free Bible we would love to give you on your way out, but we'll also put everything on the screen today so you can follow along. Easter is about miracles, and I love remembering and celebrating that. We experienced a miracle this morning. Uh, My family, my wife, my daughter, Valentine, my son, John Charles, we all made it out the door in our Easter clothes and got a picture before our clothes got stained. Can we just give glory to God, it happened. Uh, church planning is easy. Parenting, as many of you parents know, that's where the struggle lies. My son has already eaten like four plates of French toast. And uh, my daughter, she's just back there making sure I preach good. Um, she has a high standard. We had some neighbors over this uh, like two, uh, this past week. And uh, they live right next door. We love them a ton. We're so privileged to be in relationship with them. They are not Christian. They're not believers, but we like love them and spend time together. And so they have a daughter that's about Valentine's age. And she was over, my wife was telling me this story because I was traveling. She said the daughter asked her mom, like, you know, Valentine's always talking about God, who is God. And her mom was like, well, you know how some people go to church, it's because they believe in God. Some people believe and some people don't. And Valentine stood there, and she goes, no, that is not who God is. God is Jesus. Jesus is the one that died for your sins. Jesus is the one who made you. That's who God is. And I'm like, calm down, Billy Graham. We're trying to make some friends in our neighborhood, okay? Like, we want to get invited places. Oh, man, she gets it. She gets how to build our life on something that this world cannot offer. We're starting a brand new message series, and I'm fired up, man. I'm so excited to explore this offer of who Jesus is and what Jesus says and what that can mean for us. We are here today because we have this belief that life is precious. If you believe that life is precious, let me hear you say yes. Yes. Some of you are like, I don't know, jury's out. Um, We need reminders that life is precious. Uh, About 10 years ago, um, I was at home. We had this new computer, and when I say new, like if I showed it to you now, you would just be like, I'm sorry that that's what technology was when you were excited. Uh, At this stage in the game, like the cool way to listen to music was to download songs from dial-up internet. It took about two years for one album to come download. Once it's downloaded on your computer, you would then take those songs and burn them to a CD. How that works technologically, I still don't know. But we had purchased a computer that didn't have a CD burner. And one day my dad came home, better than an Easter egg. He was like, son, I bought you a CD burner. And I'm like, he loves me. And so I'm like, dad, let's install it right now. And he's like, no, son, I have to go to work to pay for all of this so uh, I was staying home with my younger brother I think he was about three years old at the time Um, And so I get this, like, wild idea. I don't need my dad. I'm a man now. Um, I can do this myself. And so I go to start installing this disk drive. I'm, like, unscrewing the metal cover. Um, I'm, like, getting into all the gears and the wires. I'm pulling things out. I'm astonishing myself at, like, my aptitude. Uh, I figure out how to plug the disk drive in, and I'm leaning over the computer. When it hits me, i never unplugged this computer. That's the last thing I remember. (laughs) I woke up sometime later, not sure how long. To this point, my only experience with electrocution had been from Home Alone movies, so it didn't look like that. Um, It was much quieter of an experience. All I know is that for a moment I could have been dead but was raised back to life. Um, I was thrilled to tell my dad this story later. I was like, dad, Look what I did. I installed the disc drive burner. Now we can burn CDs. And um, I got electrocuted and I woke up. And my dad, ever the realist, was like, Aaron, do you realize you could have had a heart attack and died? And then there would have been no one to watch your little brother. Do you realize what you did? (laughs) I think we missed the point, dad. But I think we need some encounters with death to understand how precious life really is. We have to be real about this subject because Easter is a day that we want to celebrate life. But it really doesn't mean that much until we understand the dichotomy into which this message fits in the world that we live. Every day we are surrounded with examples that life is fragile. Every day we're experiencing new examples of how death can wreak havoc on families, on homes, on identities. A couple of weeks ago, a great friend of mine, I was friends with him for over a decade, young, healthy guy, young father of this beautiful family, got a clean bill of health from his doctor a week earlier, went out hunting, immediately died of a massive heart attack. It just reminds us that life is fragile. We've been praying for families in our church this week. It's been a heavy week for a lot of this. We have some uh, church members right now uh, experiencing and celebrating the life of their mom because she just passed away into eternity. There's another family that we've been praying for that we've heard about that they tragically lost a young woman in just like a sudden moment. And I can't even imagine the grief of what it feels like to lose a child. And there are people in this room right now who knows, knows what that feels like. I heard about another family this week that we've been lifting up and praying for he's doing better now but earlier in the week he was fighting for his very life and i want to celebrate life today but i don't do it casually i do it with an understanding that life is fragile humanity is fragile if we were to zoom out and look at the human experience to examine ourselves as a species realizing that this life can end at any second, in any way, at any moment. Not just individually, but corporately, as a human race on planet Earth, that our existence is so much more fragile and delicate than we allow ourselves to consider. We would be forgiven if we realized that, if all we ever did was attempt to survive. If life is that fragile, we would have a survivor's mentality. However. When we look around culture, when we look around others, when we look into our own hearts, we want more than just survival, don't we? We want more than just to survive. We have this deep desire to live. We have this deep desire to thrive. We want more. We want more. We realize in that moment that we're not just living our lives, are we? We are building our lives. Every day, we are building our lives. We're building our lives with the decisions that we make, with the choices that we make, every new decision is a new brick in the life that we are building, building relationships, building family, building future, even building the very cities and communities that we live in. When we remember that life is fragile, we are hit, we are struck with this reality. We don't have as much time as we think. No no matter how much time you think you have, the reality is it's less. It's less than you think. And it's certainly less than you want. And so if we're going to live here, we're gonna build lives here. It better be worth it. It better be worth it. We're not just living our lives, we're building our lives. And if that's true, then I would submit to you today that nothing is more important than the foundation you are building on. If you are building a life, if you are building hopes, if you're building dreams, if you're building a future, if you're building relationships, and you want them to be meaningful, you want them to satisfy that deep craving in your soul, then nothing is more important than the foundation you are building upon, and that's what brings us here today. What are we building our lives on? I've met too many people, too many people, I've been doing this a bit. I've met too many people who have amazing-looking lives on the outside, but inwardly they know it's built on a foundation of sand. It's built in a way that can crumble in an instant. I've met multimillionaires of the so-called perfect life who pulled me aside and said, Aaron, there must be something more. You see, we deeply know what we want. We just can't always name it, and we are very bad at knowing how it will come to us. But we really know what we want. We do. We know. We want deep, inexpressible happiness, lasting joy, transcendent peace, fulfillment. I talk all the time about millennials, about how they rarely struggle with performance anxiety. (laughs) 20 minutes late, no big deal. Uh, They always deal with fulfillment anxiety. I don't think that's always a bad thing unless we're looking in the wrong place. We want more, but what do we see? Struggle. We want more, but as we look around, what do we see? broken promises? You know that you are the most marketed to group of people in the history of humanity. You ever seen one of those As Seen on TV commercials? I have a family member that sells them. You ever seen them? Some of you are like, no? Well, watch more TV. It's good for you. (laughs) Come on, so you can respond to sermon illustrations. Uh, Are you tired of regular blankets without sleeves? Now you can buy a Snuggie. Um, And I, I asked this family member, I'm like, does all this I don't wanna say crap in church, but does this, is, this is crap work? And uh, he gets this big smile and he goes, Aaron, it works for me. <laughs> we are so marketed to. And every marketing piece, every mailer, every Instagram post, every commercial, what is it really? It's a promise. And we look around the world filled with broken promises. And what are we left with? Disappointment. I was thinking about this, and you know what I realized? We want something so good, and let's just name it. You and I deeply want a life that this world just cannot offer. You and I are deeply craving a life this world has never been able to offer, and we are not the first to feel that way. I love the Bible. Not just because it is a religious text. I love the Bible because it is a shockingly real collection of really true stories. Many of them are not glamorous at all. There was a very public report that came out in the news media this week. Perhaps you've heard of it. There are major portions that were heavily redacted. uh, But it painted this, you know, unglamorous portrait of a group of people. See how I just tap-danced around the politics? (laughs) And thank you. Um, But the Bible is an unredacted story of the people involved. Every messy, embarrassing detail is there to reveal to us that if we are going to know God, it is not going to be based on the merit of us. If we are going to know God, it's going to be the story of the glorious pursuit of humanity initiated by the very king and creator we have failed. That's the story of the Bible. And if you're here today, and if you've ever felt like you had a complicated relationship with Jesus, there is a person by the name of Peter who knows exactly how you feel. Peter is a man who at one time loved God. He's a man who also failed God. He's a man who denied God. And he is a man who is mercifully found by God. In a way that changed his story and our story forever. And today we're going to read the writings of this person named Peter. He writes a letter to a group of people that he loves with a message that's so good. I can't even like do justice to it preaching. You got to go home and read it this afternoon. It's better than an Easter egg hunt. (laughs) But let's turn our attention to these incredible words and ask God to reveal his truth to us. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. By the way, this world says born this way, stay this way. But Jesus finds us where we are and raises us to a new life in him. Verse 4 says this, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, You've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I love this. Though you've not seen him, you love him. And though you don't see him now, You believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So good. Let's pray that God himself would help us understand. Jesus, we lift our eyes to you today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for life. It's in the name of Jesus and God's people said together, amen. There's a few things that I would like to bring to our attention in this text. Some beautiful things that I believe can lay a firm foundation by which we can build quality, meaningful, lasting, hope-filled lives. Lives that are affected by our relationships on a new foundation, that are affected by our families resting on a new foundation, our future on a new foundation, even our very cities. There's some things I believe that can inform us in this text that could change it all. The first is this. There is a life that this world cannot offer. There is a life that this world cannot offer. Lest we ever forget, we are not a people of practices alone. We are not a people principles alone we are people of a promise and the promise is this that this world is not all there is that beyond the horizon there is a life a glorious life that this world could never offer may we never forget may we never forget let's look back in our scripture to see if that's true first peter 1 4 it says he's called us to be born again someone say "Again." again there you go Living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, the center point, the hinge point of this entire passage does not say good works. Can I get an amen in the house of God? It does not say human perfection. It does not say your effort. It does not say your worthiness. The hinge point of this entire promise is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I get excited there. We'll come back to it in a minute. But let me just tell you what the promise is. If we are people of a promise, what is this promise? Because Peter found it to be worth everything. To lay aside everything. To walk away from everything. What is this promise? Well, let's see what he says. An inheritance. That word in the Greek. It means an eternal goodness of the fulfilled kingdom of God. An inheritance. Essentially, what it's saying is this. Is that if you've ever felt like this world isn't just you... Are right. If you've ever thought it is in, in just incomprehensible that horrible things happen to seemingly innocent people and that's awful and terrible and you hate that, you are right. If you have ever felt like broken hearts should not stay that way, there is one who agrees with you and his name is God. This is a terminally broken world. It is filled with sin, it is filled with heartbreak, it is filled with disease. But there is a kingdom where every wrong will be set right, where every tear is temporary, where every heartbreak will be healed. It's the kingdom of God. The Bible says it is a real place. The Bible paints this glorious picture of what it looks like to live in existence where you can be fully known and fully loved all at the same time. Can you imagine Can you imagine? The Bible says that that is the inheritance of those who believe. An eternal, eternal goodness of the fulfilled kingdom of God. It gets better. (laughs) That is imperishable. Come on. The word in the Greek, it means immortal, like the king of the ages, immortal like the king of the ages. When we come worshiping God, we're not worshiping a prince. We're not worshiping a deity. We are worshiping the king of the ages. I was in a prayer moment last night. We were praying over you. We were praying that as you walked in, like, it wouldn't just be the smell of bacon that got you excited. It would be the worshipful presence of the Lord. And someone pointed out in that prayer meeting, like, it's so hard to even comprehend a God who exists outside of time. And yet, that's who he is. And that's who we worship. And our inheritance is guarded over someone who can never be touched by time because he authored time. Sorry, I get excited about that. You can just sit and listen. Not only is this inheritance imperishable, it is undefiled. In the Greek, it means free from tarnish. Have you ever had a promise broken... That stings a little. Have you ever broken a promise to someone you care about? Those are the ones that really sting a lot. His is a promise that will never, no, never be tarnished. One of the great struggles of the Christian faith is to believe he is who he says he is, not who I have experienced on this broken planet. So many times we view God through the broken prism of how we've been treated. It is so hard to imagine a God of restoration. It is so hard to imagine of God a full intention, yet here he is in the scripture declaring his love for you today. This is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. I love this word because it's the only time in the whole New Testament this Greek word is used. Peter is literally running out of words to explain this amazing inheritance. He's like, it's just amazing, it's great, it's wonderful. I think what he's trying to communicate is that hyperbole cannot exist in this passage. You cannot overstate for the sake of emphasis how good this really is. That's the promise in Jesus. There is a life that this world cannot offer. So why do we keep looking to the world? (laughs) Why do we keep expecting a broken world to keep untarnished promises? It was never going to. It was never meant to. And because of the resurrection, it never has to. There is a hope. There is a hope. And we are the people of that promise. May we never forget. And here's another part of that promise. Those claims against you, those accusations that you have felt in your heart, that guilt and that shame that you've walked through and experienced, they died the moment Jesus died on the cross, See every good reason you have from staying back from god was murdered at the cross with jesus when he declared through the ages it is finished the hold the enemy has on you done the shame that kept you back from fullness in god over it's dead it's paid for it'll never have to be paid for again the claims against you are dead and because the grave is empty today church hear this nothing is impossible nothing is impossible i worry about a church that gets familiar with these ideas and we stop believing we stop believing that god can really still heal our hearts we stop believing that god can really set us free from this sin we stop believing that god can really set us free from our past and we rush into self-help and helplessness and we deny the very power of god that we say we believe can raise a god from the dead nothing is impossible Peter hinges everything on this belief. See, history would tell us that Peter has every reason not to believe in the resurrection. There was two groups of people in the first century that talked a lot about this event that would go on to change the course of humanity forever. See, I've talked to a lot of unbelieving friends. I love them. We walk in relationship, and I'm super honest with them. I'm like, if the resurrection is not real, none of this matters. The morals aren't enough for me. The icons on the wall not enough for me. These are someone else's. The imagery is not enough for me. I'm too much of a slave to my own desires. Because if the resurrection's not true, nothing, none of this matters. But guess what? If the resurrection is true, then nothing else matters. It's a center point for history. And Peter hinges everything on this belief. And In the first century, there was a lot of conversation, as you can imagine. Before you let the whole world change in front of you, you wanna investigate it for a second. And there's this two groups of people. The first is the religious rulers who put Jesus to death and the Romans who helped him. And they had everything to lose if the resurrection really happened. And they got together because they had to deal with two historical facts that no one in the first century denied, no one. There are people who make you feel ridiculous about believing the resurrection Let's just put some understanding under that. Because the two groups of people in the first century, they had two events they had to contend with and had to explain away. And it was the cross where Jesus died in his body. And it was the empty tomb. Those are two very inconvenient facts if you're trying to suppress a worldwide movement. So they had a story. And the story they told is that Jesus' followers would benefit from an empty grave could propagate this myth. So both the Roman people and the religious rulers agreed if there's one group of people who really know what happened, it was the disciples. So if we want to know the merit of this claim, well, who would we watch? The disciples. Peter. We have testimony in the scripture of him acting faithlessly. He denied Jesus on the night of his crucifixion. Yet something happened. He witnessed something. He saw a truth that changed everything that led him to write this letter and go on to give his life for this Savior. He saw a resurrected Jesus. Here is Peter with nothing to gain from this story on earth but death. He had everything to lose and lost it all for the glory of God. And he said, it's not because I'm a good person. It's not because I'm super committed. It's because I've just found something better than this world can give me. And now that I've seen it, I will never ever unsee it. I have an undefiled, untarnished, undimmed inheritance, and I'm never gonna let it go. Hear me today, church. We have a life that this world cannot offer. This is gorgeous. Woo! We could just end it there, but no, we can't. Because this life is gorgeous, but it's not automatic. And there's a second thing that we see in this passage the key is to believe the resurrection story. The key is to believe the resurrection story. We face more pressure than ever to believe. In fact, a recent study was published that said the number one new religion in America is no religion. That's nothing new to us in Portland where we're routinely called the least religious city in America. And I'm not so fearful about the skeptic. I'm not so fearful about the unbeliever. But I'm deeply fearful of a church that listens to that pressure that instead of practicing apologetics, we start apologizing for a radical, beautiful faith. We must be careful. Mm-hmm. I just want to undergird some of your thought today, that you have so many marvelous reasons to believe the God of the Bible. I've told you before about my friend Rich Saplita. He was a pretty notable atheist at the University of Georgia, professor of neuropsychology, and faculty advisor to the Atheist Club on campus. And through a series of conversations, gave his life to Jesus and is now a missionary on college campuses. What? Take that, devil. (laughs) One day I was talking to Rich. I'm like, why did you give your life to Jesus? Like, what's that magic thing the preacher told you? Because I'm going to say it like every week. He's like, that never happened. I just got space to stop fighting for my rights. And I started to really just tell people what I believed. And as a person of science and logic i began to realize i didn't buy it i was practicing another type of faith a pseudoscience i just didn't believe it anymore And as i thought about the resurrection i couldn't deny it was true that's why i have another friend by the name of sam as far as i know he's still not a believer but we talk every now and then uh, great guy Love to go deep in conversation with him. One day we were having this conversation and he was like, Aaron, like you're a smart person, you know? And I was like, I got you fooled. (laughs) And uh, he was like, I can't believe that you would believe this nonsense. And I was like, oh, finally, Sam, someone filled with conviction, someone who has tons of evidence. So you must be able to answer some of my questions. And he's like, ask me. And I was like, okay, here we are. Undisputable fact. He's like, yes. Okay, good. How did we get here? He's like, Aaron, so easy. The big bang. And I was like, Sam, I know the big bang. No, 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 no. My question is what happened before that? What about this uncaused cause? I can't wait. And I wasn't even being silly. Now I am. But then I was like, you must have evidence I haven't heard because your confidence is borderline smug. You're treating me as if I'm like a just nonsensical person to even attempt to believe the evidences that are set before me. So you must have compelling evidence. What is it? We sat in silence for a while. (laughs) Stephen Hawking is uh, just a notable mathematician. He's entered into eternity one way or the other. As he was wrestling with science and math and equations and formulas, even he grappled with the lack of understanding that the sciences give. Here's what he wrote. Even if there is only one possible unified theory, it is just a set of rules and equations. What is it that breathes fire into the equations and makes a universe for them to describe? The usual approach of science, of constructing a mathematical model, cannot answer the questions of why there should be a universe for the model to describe. Why does the universe go to all the bother existing can I tell you how many conversations I've been in with people 7,000 conversations in downtown Portland we often ask what are your beliefs And there's so many people who have said I believe in science because I believe in evidence my question even Stephen Hawking has to answer is where is the evidence when it falls short of explanation there's another person I've been reading his name is David Berlinski he's nearby in Seattle he is a senior fellow of the Discovery Institute Center for Science and Culture. He's a secularist. He's a skeptic. He's not a religious person. He's not a believer by his own admission. But here are the facts that he faces. He writes this Has anyone provided proof of God's inexistence? Not even close. Has quantum cosmology explained the emergence of the universe or why it's here? Not even close. Does anything in the sciences or in their philosophy justify the claim that religious belief is irrational, not even ballpark? Is scientific atheism a frivolous exercise in intellectual contempt dead on? He said it, not me. Please direct emails to his way. (laughs) He goes on to write this regarding the evidence. There are gaps in the fossil graveyard, places where there should be intermediate forms, but where there is nothing whatsoever instead. No paleontologist denies that this is so. It is simply a fact. Darwin's theory and the fossil record are in conflict. It's fun to read these things in church. Like, ooh, we got them. Got them. And point the finger at the skeptic. But I wonder today, what is their real evidence? Maybe they are compelled and convinced by a church that is filled with functional atheists. Maybe they see people just like me, who at times in my life claim to believe in a supernatural power, but stoop to the pursuit of materialism, selfish ambition, self-help, and helplessness. Maybe it's this functional atheist that has convinced the skeptic that perhaps there's no power at all. What would it look like to see a church that really believes? What would it look like to see people on fire with this belief that the resurrection still has power? in my life, in your life? What if there was a people who would have the audacity to hope that his resurrection promise could be the foundation on which we build our lives? I want to find out. We have something more than this world has to offer. We have a life that this world cannot offer, and it's all because of the resurrection. As I was praying over this, I was just asking God, is there a prophetic word? Is there something from your spirit you want your people to hear? And as I was writing, this is what God began to convict my heart of, that there is a huge difference between acknowledgement and belief. See, I think that acknowledgement would lead a rich young ruler to say, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? belief would lead a person sold out to Jesus to say for me to live is Christ and to die is gain see I think acknowledgement leads people to say something like this I want just enough of God to make sure that I'm okay but I think that belief would lead a person to say I want more of God in my life he's the only one worth it and I'm chasing after him every single day see I think acknowledgement would lead us to say God come on Rain them down. Give me your blessings. Belief would say, Lord, let me know your heart. Acknowledgement would say, hey, God, let's make a deal. I'll give you a little. You give me a little. Belief leads us to say, Jesus, my yes is on the table, not because of what you give, but because of who you are. Because in you, I believe there's a life that this world cannot offer. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Find Jesus and you'll find what you're looking for. And there's a third thing, as if it could get better. The joy comes from walking in resurrection power. The joy comes from walking in resurrection power look to the scripture it says this in verse six in this you rejoice though now for a little while if necessary you've been grieved by various trials this is not just a verse that you can throw up in church you got to sit with it for a second this is where the bible starts to get real because I just wanna notice some things this does not say. This does not say if you trust Christ and mark yes on a card and pray a prayer, then suddenly this broken world gets easy. It's not what that says. And I worry about a church that for generations has preached spiritual optimism rather than living hope. And the two look the same for a second, but over time are dramatically different. I've walked I've walked with so many people who have walked away from God. When who they were really walking away from was their spiritual optimism. Yet the truth was here all along. In this you rejoice. In what? The life got easy? No. That that check suddenly came through when I wanted it to? That's that's not what Peter's saying. That everybody's friends with me, and I, I just, like, you know, too blessed to stress every day? No. In this, in the resurrection, in the undimmed, imperishable hope of a kingdom that can come on earth as it is in heaven, in this we hope Though now for a little while, and by the way, in my own personal life, my idea of little and God's idea of little are usually different. (laughs) My idea of little while is 10 minutes ago it was over. And God says, I can see what you don't see, my child. I know you're in a broken world, that's why I came for you. Religion says, take this place back together. Try to put together these broken pieces super glue your humanity and something you can manage and god says it's terminally broken so i'm going to build an unbroken kingdom i'm going to invite you in my idea of little and god's idea of little are usually different and if that's true for you precious believer don't give up because if necessary you've been grieved by the way that's the moment optimism dies optimism dies in the face of grief. There is no spiritual optimism that can carry you through the very real grief of this broken planet. And you know I'm right. But there is a hope that can overcome. There is a hope that can break through. There is a light that overcomes the bleakest darkness, and that light's name is Jesus. It says that he is more precious than gold, though perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This, bro- this world is broken. Please stop being surprised. It's why we need each other, because prayerfully we won't all be broken at the exact same time, although sometimes that's fine. Just bring the soup. <laughs> This world is broken, so we might as well stop pretending like it's not. We might as well allow community and church to be a safe place for people to be broken. But by the way, if we just leave it there, it's self-help. We have to provide a safe place for people to be broken in the midst of a living hope. We have to believe hope for each other. We have to believe healing for each other and never back away from the person of Jesus until we see his kingdom come. The promise is not that this broken world gets a little bit better. thank God. The promise is heaven and heaven breaking through. Heaven breaking through. What does it look like? to see resurrection power in your relationships. You need people. You just do. I can show it to you with science, the part that's actually observable. I can show it to you that you are never gonna find fullness without meaningful relationships. You're not. It's not just affecting your emotional health. It's affecting your physical health, according to a Harvard research study. You need people. It can be messy to walk forward in relationships. I know, I'm awkward. <laughs> uh, I've just learn to embrace it. What does it look like to have resurrection power in your family we here say that we are building families of everyday missionaries when we first said that we just wanted to change it and back away from it because we said people have such a broken view of family that's going to push more people away than it's going to draw them in but the more we looked at the word of god that is his desire for us is to experience family and we're probably going to mess up at first that's why we're going to need to be resurrected in our bower. What does it look like to have resurrection power in your pursuit of your future? And where you spend your days in these last few moments that you have on planet Earth, whether they be a day or 80 years. What does it look like to have resurrection power as you live in your own city? That's what we're going to find out over these next four months, weeks. Could go long. <laughs> That's what we're going to find out. But today we celebrate. Amen? We celebrate this risen one. We worship this one who has triumphed over death. He beat the devil. He's vanquished death itself. He's killed every fear. In him, we stand in victory. And church, you know what I'm ready for? Not for them to get it, but for us to get it. For us to live like we believe it. We'll know soon enough. Belief or acknowledgement. We'll see. Today we celebrate. We celebrate Jesus Because in him, there is a life this world cannot offer. And that's why we need the resurrection. Let's pray together. In this moment, I wonder where you're at. I wonder where God is moving in your heart. I wonder what he is telling you. Right in this moment, I wonder if there's a person that you need to believe God afresh and anew for a breakthrough you need in your life. The enemy has told you for decades, that this sin you are trapped in is not overcomable. I want to tell you today that you have believed lies from the very liar himself, that Jesus in his glory speaks to you today, that says as long as the grave is empty, your hope can be full in him. Believe again. Believe again. This world is faced with battles. You and I know the hardest one. We fight. The battle is believing. Not the outcome, but the author of the promise, based on his character, based on his love. I wonder if there's somebody in here today that you are moved to believe again for a person in your life who needs breakthrough. Don't give up. Don't give in to despair. Press in. Press into hope once again. Trust God. Reach to him claim the power of the resurrection be like that person in scripture that says god i want to believe you for healing but help me in my unbelief maybe that's the most raw real prayer you can pray in here today maybe there's a person that you know you need relationships and the most sanctified thing you could do this week is go bowling with people that make you feel uncomfortable trusting that god could introduce you to relationships that you need acknowledgement says maybe belief says yes Will you believe today? I wonder if there's a person in here that you've never gone all in with Jesus. But today there's a stirring in your soul. I just want to ask you what's holding you back. I've had this conversation one-on-one with so many people. I love that moment when the eyes are opened and it suddenly seems clear. Don't be afraid of clarity. I wonder if today, for the very first time, you say yes to Jesus... It's as simple as this. God, I admit that I've fallen short and I'm sorry. And God, I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross and on the cross, he paid for every sin and he paid for every shame. And God, I believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead and in him, there's hope. And today you are my King. Not my advisor, not my teacher. Today you are my king. Based on my trust in you and my hope in you, you can have it all. And maybe in the quiet of this moment, maybe you've grown up in church your whole life, maybe you are just getting back, maybe you've never been, maybe you're watching. But in the quiet of this moment, if you say yes to Jesus, the Bible says once you were born, but in that moment of belief, you are born again to a living hope and by the way that's why we exist building families of everyday missionaries seeking to disciple what's that mean means that we walk with people who want to follow Jesus it means that we've heard people struggle and we know how to believe the resurrection power through that struggle it means we are not perfect we don't have every answer but we walk with you as we seek Jesus together so today if you're following Christ tell someone mark it on your card pull someone aside. Most of these conversations usually unpack over coffee, so let's do it. We care for you, that's why we're here. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I confess my own belief for far too long. I preached messages of resurrection, but pursued messages of materialism, of selfishness, of image. Jesus, thank you for putting those desires to death at the cross Jesus thank you for a life this world can't offer let us never be tempted let us never be distracted by the wicked one in this world we give you our hopes we trust you for our dreams in just a moment we're going to stand and sing we have the opportunity as well to participate in communion We've set up the elements of the Lord's Supper at the family table in the back, and this is for everyone who's confessed Christ as your Savior. We just get to participate and model that we are the family of God today. As we take the bread, we do as Jesus asked. As it is broken, we remember his body that was broken on the cross that we might find healing. As we dip the bread into the juice, we remember that we were baptized into a new life, into a new faith. We were plunged into this salvation, and by his blood, we are washed as clean as snow and we do this as he commands in remembrance of him as we celebrate jesus we love you and we give you this time amen let's continue in worship i'm gonna go take communion as the spirit leads i invite you to join thanks for listening to the weekly podcast of spring of life church where our mission is to invite thirsty people to become disciples of jesus For more information or to plan a visit to our church in Portland, visit us at springoflifepdx.com.